0: Welcome to on the edge with April Mahoney brains. We are at the spot the location right here Where the conversation is pointed and the guests are sharp and the responses are never dull We're gonna get a lesson in editing uh, from an amazing author Brains that is the most important part of the book is having it edited well, no, I, I take that back the content But if the content is delivered in a haphazard kind of way you lose your audience you lose your credibility you lose sales it's a mute point writing a book or text or a pamphlet even is your literary work as we say in the the ghetto it's your street cred (laughs) it's your credibility and you want it to be top-notch if it's a hundred pages if it's a thousand pages you need an editor that is the most important thing that's better than a publisher but you want an editor that speaks in your voice that understands what you're trying to deliver. Maybe you're speaking something in a foreign language. Maybe, maybe you're speaking something with a little snarky attitude or a little bit of sway, uh, uh, slang or twang. You want to work with your editor so they can feel your voice and that you can be authentic in your story. She's going to give us tips on that and a whole lot more. Let's welcome her to The Edge. How are you, Katherine Cartwright? I am beautiful. Thank you for having me today. This oh, is really I'm so exciting. excited. <laughs> I'm so excited I, again. Like I tell you, that bookshelf and that room that you're in wears me out. It is just a place of zen. It's a place that I would go and retreat and just you know. So is it your? Is it a part of your house? Is it your office? Where is that space?
1: It actually is my office space in my house. Mm. Um, this is this is my my ground zero for everything I do. And, and it really, um, books have been part of my life since I was two. Um, I started reading when I was two. So, yeah, yeah. My, my mom actually has pictures of me where I had dragged the black cat that my parents had before I was born out from underneath the bed. And I was forcing him to listen to me read Dr. Seuss. So this
0: (laughs) this is a lifelong passion. Yeah, but now that you mentioned Dr. Zeus, I was a, a bit dyslexic growing up. So it was a challenge for me to hear phonetically certain sounds. Uh, and Dr. Zeus and Hooked on Phonics. Do you remember Hooked on Phonics? Yes, yes. Everybody <laughs> had one of those. Uh, and so it was really, really important. So I'm glad that you learned to read, but you also turned that into your passion. Tell us how you got into being an editor and then writing your own book as an author.
1: Well, I have a degree in professional writing because that was, books were my passion. Like I couldn't imagine not having books in my life in some form and what better career as, you know, as you're growing up, where, where do you want to be? You want to, how do you get to be an author and how do you get a book? And, and And really, I'll be the first to admit, my first love was not actually wanting to be an author. It was actually wanting to be the editor to help the books be even better. Uh-huh. <laughs> like that, I was reading that had been published, and so, so I looked and I found a beautiful degree program, and I worked for a literary agency for a couple years, and and I really like editing became was my passion, but that, that really ended up being the the start of everything. Um, I didn't actually become an author until three years ago because I was doing editing. And I was like, Oh, this is perfect. But then I was like, you know what? I'm not an effective editor because I haven't really been in the hot seat and been an author. Mm. And I really wanted to experience the author journey right, so that I could right, be a right. better editor mm-hmm. and support right. my clients better. So I ended up participating in, in several anthologies because I wasn't really sure I wanted to write a whole book and chapters here and there and it gave me a chance to work with other editors and other people who are doing self-publishing so I could kind of help people in that area because we live in this beautiful global society and not everybody is gonna want to be picked up by a big traditional publisher mm-hmm. that might not be the path they even need to take and and so. By being able to say, I've now experienced the self-publishing route, and I have been in the hot seat, and it, it's made me a better editor in the long run, in my view.
0: <laughs> well, you know, telling your story, I tell people, well, I suggest to people, I don't tell any people anything, but I suggest to people that you just write. That's the first thing, is do that brain dump. Take that tablet, keep it in one journal, brains. Don't be like me and have two or three. You know, I write poems and I've got one here, one there, <laughs> you know. And then when I go to get them all together, it's like, where is it? So have one of those composite notebooks. Uh, or another thing that people are doing is they are doing dictation on their phones. So you may have a great, you know, brain thought. And then what you can do is go to some software and have that translated into text and that makes it easier for you to give it to Catherine because not only can she read what your intention is but she can also hear she can hear your voice inflection your passion so just write don't try to write the story from beginning to end because the what you write in the beginning might be chapter number five tell people how to kind of put their thoughts together when they are trying to put uh, a body of work literary body of work together
1: Well, that is, that is one of the things that I think is really what you just said is so critical because the second you actually start writing, you're getting, and especially getting what is in your heart and soul that needs to be on paper versus what your mind is telling you to be on paper. That's, that's really the true key of becoming that author. And so my viewpoint is, is just get it out somehow. And then I use post it notes. I I know that sounds kind of old fashioned, but lots of people.
0: (laughs) We live in this digital world.
1: I should invest in
0: it, okay? I should invest. All right, so
1: perfect. (laughs) You and I are still not in the digital world entirely, but Mm -hmm. um, I use post it notes so that I can. I actually take notes as I'm reading people's work so I can help them rearrange things that maybe are not in the right spot because on post-it notes, then I can move it and they can do the same things themselves. They don't need They would not need an editor to do that necessarily, but, but you take the main thought of each piece that you've written and put it on a post-it note and then you can move it around wherever you need to, instead of having it because i i also i do not write in a linear fashion i do not have a beginning middle and end necessarily i i was i have to admit even in college when i was writing term papers the beginning and the end were the last things i wrote i wrote the middle first and wow. those paragraphs got rearranged two or three times <laughs> before i had like my final paper where i do the intro and the conclusion because. Because as you're writing, different things are going to come out, and you just have to rearrange, and you have to be good with that. And sometimes you write something that just time for it to go, or it doesn't
0: belong in this book. It belongs in right, book. right, right. But that doesn't mean <laughs> that it that it's not important, and it doesn't mean mm-hmm. that you may not write another book. A lot of times, people get intimidated by the amount of words um, that need to be in a book. They want it to be super thick. I mean, I'm telling you, I've sold 22,000 copies of my books and they're no more than this. Sometimes people, they love the novellas now, oh my God. They want yeah. a quick, easy read. They want something that is, you just transport them into a different place. What, uh, who's your ideal client? What, what genre are you working with?
1: My soul contracts, I I call them my soul contracts Mm -hmm. because um, I like talking to my clients soul to soul versus mind to mind, which in my head goes to that ideal client concept. So my soul contracts tend to be in the nonfiction area. Most of them have been our spiritual healers that, again, they're, they're not looking to put out a huge 300 page book. They're looking to bring light to their subject matter and really help people who have never been exposed to their concepts before. So um, I had one of the ones that I did that was absolutely brilliant is about emotional recipe cards. So it's how how to recognize your emotions and the steps on this recipe card that you can then pull out and take to defuse whatever emotion you're having so that you can then productively solve whatever the situation is that was a beautiful concept it didn't need to be 400 pages though that it ended up being about 200 pages because she created a workbook at the end so people could make their own recipe cards but the writing itself was about 150 pages and and that she also ended up she kept rearranging the flow of the emotions and she kept rearranging how she was telling the story and then how the cards were created in her story. And it was, it was really a beautiful experience for both her and for me, because I gained some knowledge as well, but that i then applied to my own life. Like that's, that's the beauty of becoming an author is all of us have such unique talents and ideas and concepts that even if somebody's written a book before you're coming at it with just enough of a difference that somebody else needs to hear it from that different spot than where you Mm -hmm. are currently, you know, or,
0: or where they've heard it before. It's Storytelling. (laughs) I encourage people to don't just write that same wah, 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 wah. I, I don't want that. Make it exciting. Make it from outer space. Create, you know, create a fictional character, uh, transport me in time. Give me something to, to, increase and encourage and stimulate my imagination with anything you know it that's the power of reading reading transports you you can know all about the world from the comfort of your bedroom and a cup of hot chocolate
1: (laughs) exactly exactly and and one of one of in fact just talking about being transported elsewhere one of my clients has dyslexia and dyspraxia and wrote Mm. a book she actually happens to be a reiki master. So she's traveled all over the place and had all of these experiences that are absolutely hilarious. Like, I'm like, how did you cram this entire 50 years worth of your life in, you know, like you've got your, you've got 50 years of life that you've just crammed into 165 pages. But the, the things that she shares, it's really enlightening. It like I, I knew before that dyslexia and dyspraxia and, and all the neurodiversity type of diagnoses
0: yeah and it's a pain it in the, it's a pain it, in the dixie boo.
1: <laughs> it is because because the the way our school system work is not works is not the way it works for everybody it works for this segment of the population but not this part of the population
0: and, and you know what people are so judgmental <laughs> against us oh you know you you, you spelt this wrong you spelled it. well you know what it's not that i'm ignorant I have a vocabulary that could whoop you up and down the street. However, it is a way of learning. It's a style of learning. And a lot of parents have challenges with that because when your, your child doesn't know what they don't know, mm-hmm. they don't have any way of explaining it to you because they don't know. Exactly. And, you know, they are disruptive in classroom because they don't know. The other kids are reading faster. The other kids comprehend. Uh, the other kids are two pages ahead of them. And then they start acting up because they want to be distracted because they're embarrassed. So parents, you know, from me and Catherine's perspective, be patient, sit down and read a book with your child. Let you That's how I found out my daughter had got the same thing uh, because she couldn't hear the ka ka ba ba da da And she would read the same book all the time. And I'm like let's read something different. And she struggled through it. And that is how I identify. So if you're never, you know, connected and the joy of reading, sitting there, you know, in your, your child in your lap and, you know, you're showing them the cow jumped over the moon and you're rhyming and you're laughing, you're changing your voices. Again, that is that transporting into another realm. hmm
1: And I honestly believe all the neurodiversity just means those children are more creative normal that's or the way in other, I areas, look at it. Yeah, in other areas and they're they're amazing in other areas they just that typical reading writing is not where they're excelling and and so again for for anybody who wants to be an author my client's whole purpose for writing the book was to prove that somebody who has dyslexia and dyspraxia could be an author she wanted to bring that out so people who she interacts with, and she talks about the fact that she has dyslexia and dyspraxia.
0: Mm-hmm. When they're
1: like, "I can't do," well, she wrote a book, that's, that's <laughs> and so I wrote three. You're, you're putting it, but she dictated all of it, and then I edited it so that it, it. But it all stayed in her voice because the way she phrases things are so very her that I didn't want to take that out of the book right. because then it wouldn't be her book. It would become that dry reading that.
0: Now, I what feel. do you think about this this audio book thing? You know, it, it's got to be certain things like uh Park Toler, Choler, Toler. I can't remember that. Eckhart. Yeah. yeah. Girl, I need a thesaurus and a highlighter. But if I listen to him, I can follow the flow. Yes. Do you also think that there is a strong place for editors in the audible world as well? I do.
1: And the reason that I do think there is a strong space for editors is because really the editor, and and this is really the key point of most editing. When you think of editing, a lot of people think about it as just the copy editing and the proofreading before it goes out. But uh, most editors also help do developmental content editing, which means that they help you keep your story flowing from beginning to end and can say, you know what, this little chunk, causes you to just stop your flow right there. Like you're gonna lose your listeners, you're gonna lose your readers right in this little spot. And if we shift it either here or it just doesn't belong in this particular book, then the story flows better. And, and that's, and it, and again, as I'm saying, it doesn't belong in this particular book, but that doesn't mean it doesn't belong on a blog. It doesn't belong on a podcast. It doesn't, it, it could belong somewhere else. It just happens not to go with the flow that you're trying to get in that particular theme that you're writing on at that moment.
0: Right, right. And again, the voice inflection Mm -hmm. will transport you, the highs, the lows, the giggles, the laughs. Sometimes you put music in the background. Is so many options. Tell us about your book. What was in the pages of your book? And where is it? I want to see it. Okay. The first book that I wrote in was this one. It's called Calling
1: All Earth Angels and Healers. Oh. Um, it was actually, the the woman who spearheaded this actually was part of Jack Canfield's um, okay. group. And so she has actually been an award-winning author on her own. And so I was like, that would be a perfect anthology to write it because she has had a lot of other experience. And so then I was gaining her wisdom as an author as well as the editorial experience. This book, um, I actually wrote talking about how hard it was to need to learn and adapt To new situations. I wrote it as a story that was me coming out of a divorce. I had taken a whole bunch of different courses and there was one that was really flowing. But what I realized was, was that I needed to learn. I needed to intuit what I needed to do in the future. I then needed to adapt and then I could go forward to succeed in that next step. And so that was what my entire chapter was written around was was that concept of just because you're failing you feel like you're failing because that's what society is telling you your fail is really I reversed the letters and it became learn into it
0: adapt and forward to success wow because have, I don't
1: like failing
0: <laughs> I don't like failing either but you know what that just gives me an opportunity to do better if I own it
1: Exactly.
0: People don't own it. They want to gloss right over it. You know, I was looking at a newscast today and they were saying that when you apologize or say you're sorry, that's admitting guilt. Uh, It's showing empathy. It's showing that, you know, that there is room for improvement and there's always room for improvement brains. My friend, my editor, my dear friend, Peyton Roberts, taught me that the red pen is actually your friend. Mm Mm-hmm. You hated the red pen in school. You hated the highlighter. You were embarrassed. Oh, my God, I did this wrong. I didn't put the comma. I didn't put the exclamation point. I have a run-on sentence. But the editor makes it better. Now, let's go into the pricing of editing, and not too general, but some go by word, page. What do we look at when we're looking for someone to edit our book and a roundabout price point?
1: I normally say um, the normal and and this is actually the funny part because if you really sit down and you calculate how many words are on a page or how many pages they can kind of edit in an hour so if they have an hourly rate um, it generally breaks down to about one to two cents per word which is why you doing your own self-editing a little bit before you send it to an editor actually saves you some money because you've already taken out words that perhaps don't belong there. So um, I know in my writing, and, and this drives me crazy even today. Um, and it's been a challenge to ensure that I don't use the word just in my sentences because it's an added word. It doesn't enhance the sentence. I mean, sometimes it's a good word to have in the sentence but what it ends up actually doing is softening and making it so that it's not me really saying, you know, this is really the truth. It's kind of like, I don't want to make you mad. So my truth is this, but you can just take your own message from it, right? right. So right. so like I go through and I have to like literally the last time I wrote a a short essay, I had to go through and take out fifteen justs out of like eight hundred words. It wasn't so when you're talking you know i mean that ends up being 30 cents that you'd be paying somebody to edit just out of your
0: <laughs> out of your work well, and you know what so, my editor taught me some other things too culturally mm-hmm. how people learn how they went to school you will see uh, an example african-american culture girl mm-hmm. you talk about just we will wear out an and and yes and, 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 and. <laughs> you're bringing two sentences together you can stop you you know you can stop you can start a brand new sentence but the run-on sentence Mm -hmm. is very uh is very common uh filler words so you know and so and this you know it doesn't add and also they are repetitive with certain words you might use perfect 15 times Use a thesaurus to give you a different option, to give you a different word. It may have the same meaning, but it has a, a hell of a difference when it comes to the flow. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Oh, I totally do. And and one of my favorite tools to have authors go through before they even send me anything is Grammarly. There's, there's a free oh. version of it out there, and it helps you catch all of those words, the ands, the so's, the just's, the... And, and the run-on sentences that you can, it will give you a suggestion to stop the run-on sentence at this point. It will not necessarily tell you well, how to always redo it, but at least it gives you an awareness of what you're doing. And you wouldn't even have to do it for your whole story. You would just, you know, do a, do a couple pages and you'll see what Grammarly's picking up. And then you can go through the rest of your document on your own without having Grammarly yelling at you continuously.
0: You can if, do like a know, find good place. It's that artificial intelligence that worries me. Is that the cotton picking computer, you know, but that's the same with algorithms. I was at my girlfriend's yeah. house the other day and the refrigerator was talking. I was like, I don't feel comfortable yeah. with that. <laughs> oh, we we need milk. <laughs> it was crazy. So AI is really, really important. It's picking up keywords on resumes, mm-hmm. in books, in editing, in everything that we do. Uh, mm-hmm. It is. Taking kind of the guesswork out of it, but taking the guesswork out of it in a way to me is instilling a little bit of ignorance because there's, there's no challenge there. there. You know, you don't have to worry about spelling a word now because it's there. Children aren't even <laughs> learning script handwriting. They don't know how to sign their name. So it is a double edged sword. You still need to have the fundamentals. Wouldn't you agree, Catherine?
1: Oh, totally. And and I certainly, I'm just saying Grammarly is great to run it through before oh, you send it to the yet. editor. You win. you shouldn't even look at Grammarly until you are done writing. Like that, that's my personal opinion. Like mm. do your writing because, because Grammarly, when you have Grammarly checking your stuff or word checking your stuff, like I turn off the spell and grammar check in word so that I can just write from my heart and soul because otherwise my brain sees that little squiggle underneath the word or that, you know, that says, oh, you misspelled this one. Are you sure that that's the word you really want? You know, all those cute little words. I mean, they do it in WordPerfect. They do it in Google. All, all of these word processing programs already have it built in to some degree. So if if you just turn all of that off and write from your heart and soul, then you can go back afterwards because you're going to, your brain wants to keep you safe. I mean, that's our brain's Purpose, Right. It's, it's our learning tool and it's to keep us safe. So our physical body stays here. And, and so your brain subconsciously is always saying, Oh, is that really the word you want to use? Let's, let's look at this. Like it wants the distractions to stop you from writing what you really want to write and what your heart is telling you to write. Because some of what we write sometimes comes out on paper. And afterwards, you're like, oh, that was not quite what I thought was coming out.
0: (laughs) Or when you reread it, you know, you're going to reread it a million Mm -hmm. times. And I just say, that's why I say, just write. Just dump it Mm -hmm. out there. Worry about putting it together later. Run it through Mm -hmm. Grammarly or, you know, Word. Mm -hmm. Make sure that, you know, you don't have to have the red pen too much from Catherine. But it's so important. And it's fun enjoy yeah. it don't feel like there's pressure but then there's these technical writers i had one guest on my show that translates the analytical brain into common language and i told her she must be super smart because you have to understand what that is all about you're learning that you can't just go in and edit somebody's work and have no idea of you know what this is no. going to be
1: it's tough. Yeah, and 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 technical writers, and there are editors that are very specialized in doing technical editing. They only edit science. They only edit social, like psychology or sociology, because Mm. some of the, or medical type of, I, I don't tend to, I don't tend to edit those due to the fact that that really does require me to have a lot more technical knowledge. And I don't have the medical degree I did. Let's be honest. Biology and dissecting—that was about the end of my desire to <laughs> to go down that medical path. And so, so I don't tend to do that. But, but there are editors out there that do very specific types of editing that right. are very good and very good at that technical detail.
0: So, so some fun to... questions about you, Catherine. Sure. Okay. So you say that you don't write a lot of fiction we're going to take you to a fictional place. How about that? Sounds good to me. <laughs> what's, your, what's your superpower? My
1: superpower mm-hmm. actually is I can feel the author's emotions as they're writing.
0: Oh, so you're empathic.
1: I am empathic. Okay. And your favorite superhero? Uh, you know, I, I have to say um, until... The Incredibles came out, I didn't really have a super favorite hero, oh. but yeah, I know because, oh, I loved Isis and I loved Wonder Woman and I love Supergirl and I love Batgirl. Like I love Princess Leia. I considered her a superhero too. I mean, let, let's, you know, like these were all women who did these amazing things, but Mrs. Incredible having mm-hmm. to deal with her kids the way she did as well as everything else. I was like, yeah, she's the, she's my superhero now.
0: <laughs> well, that's good. If you were an animal, what animal would you be and why? I
1: would probably be a cat. I like like affection, but I also have a strong independent streak. Okay. (laughs) What are three
0: things that you cannot live without? Books, coffee, and my kids. (laughs) Oh, that's sweet. What would you tell a young, inspiring author right now that is sitting there with their pen in their hand and have no idea where to start? What would you say to them?
1: I would say take a really deep breath and just put that pen to paper and just write whatever comes. Just ask ask for guidance as to what needs to go on that piece of paper just to start. Some days, some days when I'm writing and I do journal writing, so I, and I've always been a big journal writer, even, even though I didn't intend to ever be an author. Like I have always written, I have stacks and stacks of journals through the years. Some days I, I might only write a sentence in my 20 minutes of journaling and other days I fill two or three pages. So don't put yourself into a pressure spot either as to how much you have to write each day. Because some days it's just going to flow through you and onto that paper, and other days you might get two sentences on the piece of paper, and that's okay. As long, but I would say use paper and pen if when exactly. you're first starting out, and and doodle if that's what it takes to get you to have words. You know, do those loopy things that yeah. they used to teach you to do when you were in school. You know, just just do those loops until something comes to you to actually write. At some point. Your brain is going to be like, I am so tired of these loops. Something's going on in that paper.
0: <laughs> if you were not an editor and an author, what would you be?
1: Oh, that is a really good question. Um, I am a mom. So I love being a mom. I also happen to be a Girl Scout troop leader. So oh my goodness. I, yes. So um, right now I have troops from kindergarten to 12th graders. There are four of them. Yeah. So um, I I tend to be very involved in community activities. So I can't imagine I I would find some sort, I would likely work for some sort of nonprofit doing something because I really believe in community is what keeps us together as a whole. And when we lose our community, it's it, it. we lose we lose part of ourselves when we lose our community with other people, and so um, I I would imagine that I would be doing some sort of work, whether it was paid or or volunteer work. Um, okay, what
0: book would you recommend to uh, a tween? My favorite book, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. That oh yeah, uh, Bloom. What was her first name? Yeah, Judy. Judy. Judy Bloom. Judy, was the business? If you're a young girl between, I would even say between nine and 13, Mm -hmm. it's so simplistic. It is, you know, written from the third person. It was, um, it was factual, was soft. It was, it was just gentle. Do you have another book that you would recommend to a tween or one of your Girl Mm. Scout troops?
1: I actually, um, there is a. I'm trying to remember how it's actually what it's actually called, um, title-wise. But it's it's basically learning yourself from the inside out. Because I think that that is a really hard thing for girls to do. And and Judy Bloom did a beautiful job. And are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. But this, this one's more on the nonfiction side, and it really oh. helps the girls understand um, some of the media bombardment that they're getting. Some of the, oh, wow. some of the, yeah, and and it helps them put into perspective their body image discussions and their and and really any of the books that fall into that sort of a line, I think, is really a beautiful thing for both male and female.
0: Right. Absolutely.
1: And, and all, all, all the gender, girls. yeah, and all the gender in between, like like yep. that entire, because because I really think that when you learn from the inside out who you are, it makes it easier for you to be who you are.
0: It does. And it allows you to uh, edit, filter, and adjust, much yes. like an editor does. Yes. Uh, Catherine, please tell my brains how to get in contact with you, how they can work with you. Uh, and you know be your ideal client to get these books on the shelf yeah
1: so my website is righteditshare.com and on there I have a link that you can book a discovery call with me so that we can talk and really make sure that we're a good fit because to me that's really important I like doing that soul-to-soul work and it's even more important because I am empathic when I'm talking to and reading um, that is the one thing that that I want to make sure that we're on the same wavelength because otherwise our entire process becomes full of potholes and sinkholes and I like it when you know it's the golden paved road where we can communicate well (laughs) and work through all of it together Um, and so if that's really the best way to work with me and um, I also do I do help people figure out what is their writing voice before they even start writing, because I also think that that is everything that happens between when you're writing your book, that's not really necessarily where you need somebody. But if you are forcing your writing voice into something that, or somebody who isn't you, because that's what you think you should be writing as, that just means when you get to the editorial side, it's, you're you're basically rewriting a whole book to get it back to who you are versus who you thought you were.
0: Exactly. So, and again, that's what a author does is they deliver their true, authentic self. Yes. And then yes. Catherine Redpigeon. <laughs>
1: Yes. But you know, I really, when, when I work with authors, most of the time it's me correcting things that are so glaring and blatant Mm. that it makes it really hard for the reader to understand where the author's going. It makes it really hard for the reader to, to follow the flow and the train of thought of the story and why this was put in that one spot. I, I try to, my editing really is more, let's make sure your flow is there and let's make sure your voice is there. And, and that's why I say, you know, like, I, I really respect traditional publishers. I think they're wonderful and amazing. And yet so, self-publishing sometimes is really the better way to go because you maintain control over your own voice versus what the publishers need you to sound like so that they can do their marketing thing to well, help you. The, so the, it, it's a it balance. Is, <laughs>
0: the thing of it is, is once you self-publish <clears throat> a traditional publisher, is hard to get them to touch it because you've already had it out there. They want it fresh. They, you know, so that's different. Also understand that a publisher is not a marketer. They're not mm-hmm. a bookseller. They are preparing the packet presenting you in front of an audience, getting mm-hmm. you the publicity that you need to get that piggy market, but you still got to put that sucker on the auction block and you got to sell it. Exactly. I have been selling my books since 2004. So I'm, I'm writing a new one now is this one's going to be kind of fun. Uh, but, since two thousand four. And I said if they were still selling the Bible and the Kalan, I was still selling mine. And look, mm-hmm. twenty-two thousand I can't believe it sometime. I'm like, What? Sold a couple the other day and ticked it off. It is a sense of accomplishment. You are leaving an imprint on this planet. Speaking of implant uh, in, uh imprints, I love that rabbit. Can you Thank show you. everybody that rabbit in the back on the shelf? You know that's yeah. my favorite thing. We talked about on the other. We talked yeah. that about that before. This one right here. No, right no, up, the other uh,
1: one. My big one.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yes, my big that Peter It makes rabbit. me happy. <laughs> it really does. Yeah, something about it. Well, you, you know, of-
1: and Peter Rabbit. Peter Rabbit walked to his own drum, right? Like he didn't follow what the rest of the rabbits were supposed to do. So I. I sometimes look at Peter and realize that, you know, sometimes the best things in life are not always following the trail that everybody else takes.
0: That's right. You don't follow other people's breadcrumbs. Um, That's right. But there was a lot of great stories written with Peter Rabbit. You know. Yes.
1: Yes. Beatrix Potter yeah. was amazing. And you know what? Funny, as funny as it is, she self-published to start out with because none of the publishers in England wanted to actually have her Peter Rabbit story. Yeah.
0: I mean, just think, so about, she self-published. <laughs> just think about all the Harry Potter. She, you know, she sat there and wrote in a coffee shop and look at her mm-hmm. now, you know, so continue yeah. to write, continue to be inspired, uh, continue to enjoy the red pen. It is a learning opportunity. It's not a criticism. It's an opportunity mm-hmm. to grow and make yourself better. Work with mm-hmm. great editors. Um, just get that story out there because we're looking so much, Catherine Cartwright for being with me and my brains here on the edge you've really given us an education i'm looking forward to continued work and reading uh that you're publishing and working with uh you and uh getting a glimpse of that cute little peter rabbit yeah thank right.
1: you
0: thank you brains here's to you catherine yes cheers cheers <laughs>